want it. You need it. You got it. In this corner with Brian Campbell returns with the MMA edition as we shoot for the double leg with a ground and pound sized dose of that performance enhancing audio. Yes, the Brian Campbell. In fact, the voice that you hear just about ready to welcome in a new era of MMA audio. Welcome to the Matita era. Oh no, not that era. I'm talking about your boys BC and King Mo, Muhammad Lawal, coming back at you, ready to recap the latest news in mixed martial arts and preview Saturday's Bellator MMA Heavyweight World Grand Prix Tournament matchup between the legendary Fedor Emelianenko and former two-time UFC champion Frank Mir. A very sexy matchup indeed. King Mo will also update the latest from his camp ahead of his May 12th tournament matchup against Ryan Bader and will attempt to sort things out in an ultra-crowded UFC lightweight division following recent victories from Kevin Lee, Dustin Poirier. What's next for Conor McGregor? Lots to get through at 155. We will also get King Mo's take on the latest boxing news and speaking of the sweet science this Friday. You can stream the Jose Suleiman Invitational live from Louisville on CBS Sports Live. This eight-man welterweight tournament presented by Evander Holyfield's Real Deal Boxing features top fighters from around the globe, including 2008 Olympic gold medalist Felix Diaz. You can watch all four matches live online Friday night through the Sports Live streaming service. Just go to cbssports.com slash sports live to sign up today. Again, that's cbssports.com slash sports live. Do not miss out. It's a card that certainly smells like something special. It is a beautiful aroma that arouses me. Hey, oh, and just a friendly reminder, if you hear something on today's show that you like, if you see something, say something. Please do us that favor and head on over to Apple Podcasts. Subscribe, rate, review. We're talking about five stars. Spread the word for the podcast on social media using that hashtag in this corner. We got you covered when it comes to combat sports. Whether you like our boxing editions, our special Karate Kid episode last week recapping the famous trilogy of movies from the 1980s. Heck, check out our pro wrestling offerings this week, including a bonus audio show from WrestleMania that came out this Monday featuring interviews with the great Goldberg, The Miz, and much, much more. Do not miss out. But look, we got the business out of the way. Now it's time to get to that said audio magic with Bellator's King Mo, Mohammed Lawal. Enjoy. Oh, yeah, always fired up to get King Mo back in the building, Muhammad Lawal, to talk all things MMA, Bellator, UFC, big Bellator fight this weekend. But King Mo, as we always like to do when we open the show, we want to get a camp update to your own big Bellator fight coming up May 12th, San Jose, Bellator 199, Ryan Bader. How we feeling, brother? How How is everything going? We're just a few weeks away. Man, I feel great, man. I'm ready to go. I'm in. I'm ready to go, man. But like this, thing's my last week of sparring. Um, cause I've been sparring for a while. I've been doing make, banking rounds and sparring. So this is my last week of sparring. Um, I just want to go to the fight fresh and hungry. That's about it. I feel like it's almost time for nap time, right? When they step foot in that cage, they're going to pay the price with nap time. Oh yeah, it's going to be nap. It's going to actually be coma time. Hope player plays ass in the coma. Wow. 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 Those are deep, deep sleep. Heavy words from from a from a big time puncher here. Hey, Ryan Bader just a couple weeks ago told MMA Junkie he plans to come in about 230, 233 max with more muscle than normal. And here's a quote: 
King Mo, probably the smallest guy I've ever fought, let alone in a heavyweight tournament. He's the smallest guy I've ever fought ever. Weight's not a big deal here, but moving on to the next round with Mitrione, he's a big dude. But at the same time, you want to have your cardio up, be quick and agile, blah, 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 end of quote. I feel like he's looking past you in that quote, King Mo. Oh, I know he is because he thinks that um, he thinks that him putting on extra extra weight's going to help him. In the long run, the extra weight's going to hurt him, and he's going to find out when we fight May 12th. All right. That, of course, is a one of the, the final first round matchup in this Bellator heavyweight Grand Prix to crown a champion, a, to fill that vacancy on top of the heavyweight division in Bellator that's been there for a few years now. We're going to talk about the matchup this weekend coming up. But King Mo, a bunch of recent fights to get through. And a lot of these recent fights have been a part of arguably the best division in all of MMA, and that's UFC lightweight. Personally, I'm a women's strawweight fan on the UFC side, 115. That's where we get some firecrackers. But this lightweight division is crowded, it's deep, it's talented, and we have seen our fair share of interesting fights the last couple weeks to sort of get everybody in line to try to say, you know, who who is Habib going to fight later this year, maybe in Madison Square Garden, whether it's Connor or if it's not Connor, if it's Tony or if it's not Tony, who is next in line? So let's look at this fight. We thought it would be a firecracker for sure two weeks ago. Dustin Poirier, Justin Gaethje and the UFC on Fox card from Glendale, Arizona. Uh, I don't think they disappointed King Mo in terms of the action. It was another from the the human highlight reel here. Justin Gaethje, another brawl. What did you take from this fight overall? Uh, everything I everything I thought I thought that uh actually from every, from what I seen, I really thought the Gaethje impressed me really because uh to see the pressure he put on Dustin come with the inside leg kicks showed a lot you know um one thing is he has no defense though defense is that good but his defense is his pressure pretty much Dustin showed man Dustin fought good um Dustin showed uh great great awareness great patience you know because if when you watch Dustin when he hurt Gaethje he took his time. He, he stalked him, slipped to his left to, to counter to, to counter the right hand that Gaethje threw, and then came back with some shots and stopped him. But if you watch J- Dustin in the past when he hurt people, he just go out there and rush, chin up, flailing, and he get you know either he get taken down and hurt or he get the knockout. But this time we saw Dustin grow. As a fighter. And I like what I've seen, Phil. Very, I love the way you put that. This really was the maturation in front of your eyes. And I, I wasn't sure which way I was leaning. And on our last show, you were like, no, man, I'm telling you, Poirier is mature. He's poised. I certainly knew he had the technique speed advantage there, but it was always going to come down to his heart because that's what Gaethje does. He breaks people. He breaks, it breaks them up. And I think in the past, Poirier's mental makeup may have been under question, maybe just for the fact that you can lure him into a brawl. But like you mentioned, man, that poise was there, the patience and then the accurate striking. You know, Gaethje's going to enter you right into a war whether you want to or not. Eddie Alvarez went through the same thing. But Poirier stuck to his guns, and I think he showed you not just all those things we just said about maturity. He also showed a pretty strong backbone, King Mo, that I'm not sure was there just a few years earlier. Well, he, he credits that to his family. You know, him having a, him having a daughter, he learned patience, his wife being there with him. I, I, he just had – he just felt you – know, I, I, I watched him in camp. He looked strong. Um, one thing I didn't like is in camp he's doing a lot of body shots, but for this fight he didn't throw many body shots at all, and we talked about that um shortly after. And uh, like I, I, I told him this three years ago, I was like, look, man, this if you fight smart and you can and you can grow as a fighter, you'll be fighting for the belt. I think you'll be fighting Habib. I told him that three years ago. We talked about that three years ago at the gym. I'll never forget in the weight room. 
we're sitting there and he's like he's like you think so i was like yeah he's like man i just lost to uh, michael johnson i suck i was like no you don't i'm like you got caught because you were over aggressive you threw a one two five two you throw a, a, the uppercut is a read shot when you see you got Douglas Heath throw it you don't just throw it out the blue and you got caught trying to just be too aggressive that's like and but after we had that talk, I started noticing a little difference in Dustin. He, he started being more patient besides the Eddie Alvarez fight. Cause the Eddie Alvarez fight, he was doing good. But then when he rocked him, he went in there for the kill. Fast forward to the um, Gaethje fight. When he rocked him, he tiptoed there, <laughs> stalked him, <laughs> avoided the strike, countered him, and then stopped him. So I think that uh, well, I, well, I like what I see, man. I like what I see with Dustin. That's definitely, and I love Dustin's sort of boldness afterwards. I mean, look, everybody's bold and calls for a title shot, but he was really sincere, just like, you know, give me my shot. I'm not necessarily convinced he gets it, though, because of the crowding in this division, but the resume's pretty strong right now. Since his 2014 loss to Conor McGregor, he's 7-1 and one with that no contest against Eddie Alvarez. Just that one loss you mentioned, sort of the, the quick knockout against Michael Johnson – he's deserving, but you can't really get past how crowded it is, how Tony Ferguson you feel like has to have next. And if he doesn't, it might be Connor. Heck, it could be Nate Diaz at some point for all we know. I feel like UFC is going to force Dustin back into an Eddie Alvarez fight just to clear up that situation. What type of sense do you see moving forward? I don't know because then you got Kevin Lee who looked good, but he looked good against Barbosa. He looked great against Barbosa, but I just don't know because – you don't know who is doing what. You know, Barboza got smashed by Habib and and then got smashed by Kevin Lee. But, you know, Habib did it first. Then you look, got Dustin. He looked good. And you got Tony Ferguson. I, th- I, thought he had, I thought he had ACL surgery or knee surgery. So if he had ACL surgery or knee surgery, if it's, if it's in basic knee surgery, he'll be out for another six, maybe two months. If it's ACL surgery, he'll be fighting until next year. So I don't know what surgery he had, but, you know, and Connor, don't know what's going to happen with Connor. Um, Diaz, don't know what's happening with Diaz. Um, I don't know what's going on with anybody, to be honest with you, because it's crowded, but at the same time, there are a lot of, a lot of question marks. Yeah, so you almost want to be in a spot where Kevin Lee is, and I want to get to that, break down the Lee fight in better detail in a minute, but you almost want to be a spot where you're just coming off of a win. Just be healthy coming off of a win. And you could get a title shot just the way things fall apart, uh, fall down. I mean, heck, Pettis and, and uh, Paul Felder almost got title shots randomly at 223. And obviously, Ally Quinta, you know, the what, probably the most unlikely in that group, ended up getting that. So you just want to keep yourself ready. You lay out an interesting point that it may not seem like Poirier's path to a title shot is is direct right now. But things just may open up. The doors may get there. And look, he overcame eye pokes. He really showed you everything he had to do. Now I want to talk about Justin Gaethje, though, because, you know, he's MMA's Arturo Gatti, and we love him. He brings it. He doesn't pull punches. He's like, I'm going to have a short career, not a long one. But King Mo, if you're in his camp or if you're his trainer or if you're someone close to him, do you say, bro, pull back a little, slow it down a little bit. You can have five, six, seven more great fights instead of two more great fights at the pace you're running. Well, I'm going to touch the good Justin Gaethje. I love watching you fight. <clears throat> I heard about you years ago from your old coach, Brother Fareed Samad, who's my coach as well. I think Justin Gaethje should go back to Brother Fareed Samad a little bit, work on the defense, tighten things up, because Brother Fareed Samad, he's an um, Olympic alternate behind David Reed, 96. He's worked with Zab Judah, worked with me, Rashad, Tyrone, everybody, boxing, MMA. He knows his stuff. Um, and 
he told me, he's like, Mo, is a kid coming to make Justin Gaethje's kid's a killer, but man, he likes to fight. I was like, yeah, it's good. He's like, no, no. When I say he likes to fight, he likes to go out there and abandon his wrestling, abandon his boxing, and just go out there and brawl. So I said, what are you going to do? He's like, Mo, this kid's a joker, man. I don't know what to do with him. I was like, just keep on working on him. He said he did, and after that, you know, they split ways, I guess, or Brother Freed left, um, and uh, Gaethje's still on the tear, but just the way things are going, you know, it's it's a long-term thing. You know, what's going to happen in the future? How's his speech going to be? Will he be able to talk? Will he be able to be, enjoy his life with his family and his kids? We don't know that just yet. Yeah, it's tough because he's got that ability to just uh, – he's like a barbarian. He's got that ability to just walk through pain and keep coming and break you down. But you almost want to save that for fights – where you really need it, where you're, you know, title fights, essentially, you know, or number one contender fights where you really need to rely on that in the deep end of the pool. But to in order to save that, you also have to be able to beat these elite guys along the way. So here's the, the tough question surrounding Justin Gaethje that I want to ask you. Does he actually have the skills to defeat elite competition by being more conservative or is being this death defying brawler the only chance that he's in this combo? Well, he can be a death-defying death brawler, but have, like, you know, understand your range. Because a lot of times, he's there in mid-range to get countered. You know, um, if he understands range and, like, be a little more elusive, I mean, he can do whatever he wants. But right now, he's not being elusive. He just he just covers up high guard. And, you know, I don't, it's hard to explain. You know, um, he, it's like he fights with no sense of – with uh, you know, he fights like he's behind. You know what I'm saying? Like, he's, like, like he fights every round like it's the last round. He's won by knockout, which is – like Iran Barker, which is which is commendable, um, but he just gets hit way too much, and uh, eventually your chin don't get stronger; it gets weaker. It gets yes. weaker and weaker. So eventually, he might get knocked out by somebody that's an up and coming guy that no one even knows. You well, know, when it goes, it goes. And I always use like Chuck Liddell as the great you know example of that. Once your chin's gone. You're going to suffer four, five, six knockouts in a row as long as you keep fighting. And it's going to come at any point in the fight. And, you, you, you know, he's a guy that's only been stopped when you've worn him down and you've walked through hell with him and you stood in his face and you just beat the, the life out of him. And you hope that he doesn't become that person who's just going to get KO'd against everybody. I mean, he's so much fun to watch. It, it's, it's almost, he's, yeah, it's tough. It's tough. You, you, I love this guy. I want to, I want to see him more. I don't want to start cringing when I see him though. But see, he, the thing is, like, he's fun to watch, but in the long run, he's so fun that people forget that he's good. Because in the long, because I know people, like, I know someone's him. I was like, Mo, is that Gaethje guy good? I was like, yeah, he's, he's pretty solid. I was like, Mo, I don't know about that, man. He gets hit too much. He's fun to watch, but how good is he? You know, who who's he going to beat? If he faces someone with a solid game plan that can stick, and that can wrestle, can stick with a solid game plan, he will lose. Dustin Poirier stuck to a solid game plan. The, 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 the only thing that changed is I don't think Dustin inspected the inside leg kicks. Good point. I was looking back at some great King Mo math e- MMA math equations, and one of my favorite ones is always hands plus wrestling equals a problem. Gage G doesn't do the wrestling part anymore, so it's hard to become a problem consistently. Yeah, I'm thinking about this. When Dustin heard him, all Gage had to do was just like shoot, go grab, grab him over and under, clinch him, clinch him up, slow him down. He didn't do that. He kept on swinging. He kept on swinging. You know, he went down swinging, which is you know, people love it, but in the long run, like, if you're in this corner, if you're his girl or wife, you don't love that. No, 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 you don't. You don't. It's, that's, that is tough to see. Hey, one more guy on that card in Arizona. 
that is also entering t- or is already in tough to see territory is 33 year old Carlos Condit. And it was tough to see him take this loss, his fourth straight when he was submitted by Alex Cowboy Oliveira. And he was, you know, real humble afterwards. He's like, I had a great camp. I thought I was winning this fight. I thought I had him. And then the momentum shifted. Now it's four losses in a row. It's five of his last six. It's seven of his last nine. This guy was in the title fight, one of the best fights we've ever seen, just two years ago against Robbie Lawler. I hate when this happens, King Mo. It's it, it's happened to, you know, Anthony Pettis went through that slide from the top of the mountain to the bottom. Henan Barrow did out of nowhere when he was, you know, arguably the pound-for-pound king. Man, I love Carlos Condit, the natural-born thriller, if you will. Yeah. He's not thrilled. There's, the thrill's gone. The thrill is gone. Well, the thrill is gone in a sense because he's losing, but he's in, like he's out there training hard. Really, I think what would help him is to change of camp for a little bit. You know, go go go, freshen things up, learn new tricks. Because if you look at him, he's a he's an add to his arsenal. If he has, he hasn't shown it yet, which I'm pretty sure he has, but he hasn't shown it yet. So I think his best bet would to would be to um give it to new camp for a little bit. Go out there. Train with new camp, then go back and finish your camp at, uh, at Greg Jackson's. That's a good point. That's a good point. Hey, so call up King Mo. You know, you'll, you'll roll with him. I'm training with him. I'm, you know, secrets of fighting. Final fight from that card. I wanted to get your take on is this guy the uh, the last great style bender? Is that what he's calling himself? Israel Adesanya. Yeah. The middleweight took a decision for Marvin Vittori. Split decision. It wasn't the highlight reel, hey, this guy's the UFC version of the of MVP type of performance that we thought. Did you feel like it was a, a, a better performance because it showed some maturity, or do you think there were some holes there? Uh, Both. There's holes there because he's training in Australia. He has great striking, but his wrestling isn't there. But he's showing the ability to get up and defend takedowns, which is good, so he can work on his confidence. Um, I think he's exciting. You know, More than anything, if the UFC was smart, they just match him with strikers. Keep on building them, match them with strikers like they've been doing. Keep on building them and then give them, give, like, you know, do what Scott Coker did in the Challenger series. Like, you know, like, build them, build them, build them. Then have them fight a guy that can wrestle but can't strike. Then have them a guy that can strike but he can't wrestle, which he already has. Have him face the jiu-jitsu guy. Have him face all these, all sorts of different guys until he can get, until he can get comfortable and fight whoever there is out there in front of him. Because I'm, I'm worried that they might try to be pushed, they might try to push him too fast off of his, uh, his style. You know, no doubt uh, he's not another, you know, shiny new object for the UFC to play with. Right. It was it was uh, it was Duhu Choi. Right. Then it was uh, Tom Dukenwa. And it was like, we got the next big thing here. Well, then they take a humbling loss and you got to kind of reset. So, you know, it's just it's just they're trying too hard to find an international star because if, if Israel was an American, like who knows how they treat him. But I feel like, you know, Tom Dukenwa, um, the Korean, um, I can't say his name and um Adesanya, they're 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 from different countries, and I feel like they're using them to break into those markets because they're exciting. So I I feel like you know um they should take their time, but you know let them fight in their country, let them headline cars in their country, bring an American to somebody else, a Brazilian out there to, to, for them to fight. Once they feel like they're ready, then bring them to Vegas. Bring them to Vegas, let them fight in Vegas because let them get let them get comfortable in the cage. Don't just bring them out to Vegas just to so everybody to see them. Let them be built over over in um, wherever they're at. They're bringing the Vegas once they feel like they're ready to, to put them on the main card. I'm down with that for sure. We saw UFC fight night Atlantic City this past weekend. We enter back into that lightweight division discussion. Kevin Lee misses weight, comes in at 157. Of course, the non-title contracted weight is a pound over the 155 limit. So he misses weight by a pound. 
gives up 20% of his purse, still comes in and scores a fifth-round TKO over Edson Barbosa. And the thing I question coming into this matchup, and this, again, was an important one, like I because you want to just get a win and be ready for whatever happens in this loaded division, I thought Barbosa was coming back maybe too soon against a dangerous opponent, considering when he lost to Habib in just December 30th, like, you know, what are we talking about? Three, four months removed. That was as brutal a three-round decision loss as I think anyone's ever taken. And now he comes back in a really tough fight. And, man, what Barbosa showed us, Mo, is, like, he's really tough. He might be too tough for what he's willing to put himself through against these elite opponents. Yeah. I've seen Barbosa train the American Top Team in the past. He's improved his toughness. Everyone remember ever question this chin and oh you hit him, he'll go down. Well, not now. You know, but the thing is, like, um, there's something there. Maybe it's takedown defense or something. I don't know what it is, but like the with when he fought Habib and and and, and uh Kevin Lee, I think he accepted the ground game too long and just got pummeled and just got hit a lot, man. It's it's part of the game. Uh I'm hoping he can shake back and, uh, and, you know, come back healthy and, uh, rack up some wins, but I heard he's like a, a long suspension for he after should. this loss. I mean, he was busted up bad. His eye was a mess. That's ultimately what stopped it when the doctors came in in the fifth round. But man, I was almost getting into the cringe zone. Just like, you're not, you know, you never want to say you're not going to win, bro, because uh, we've seen a lot of miracle comebacks in MMA. You know, I'm just saying it comes it to a point. Almost had one. Almost had one. Almost had remember. one. Are you talking about in this fight with that spinning kick? Yep. So that was some highlight reel, and that's what makes Barboza dangerous. That's why he's never out of a fight. I thought that kick was so brutal on Kevin Lee that the referee almost could have run in and stopped it because Lee was doing a serious dance. And you give Lee credit for regrouping and doing what you said Gage G didn't do, right, which is secure the takedown and get your get your eggs back in order. But, man, you could have almost stopped it. It was so brutal. Well, he could have, but the thing is that here's, what, here's the mistake that uh, some people get, make. When you hurt somebody, you get excited. You rush in. I've done it. I'm, we were talking about Dustin doing it. Barbosa did it. And he ran, he ran right into it, and, and he got he ran into the clinch. He got taken down. And Barbosa would just stay there and just slowly crept up on them and creeped up on them. He would be able to knock him out, maybe with a knee or a head kick or whatever. Because Kevin Lee was all over the place. He had no balance. He almost twisted his ankle. He was like, you know, it, it was crazy. But you know, but he's he's an animal. You know what I'm saying? Uh, he saw he saw a leg. He grabbed it. You know, that's what we do. We're wrestlers. Barboza, you know, um, he tried, man. It's a, it's a great attempt. Kevin Lee is proving, though, that he is an animal. He is, like, a next-level dude in terms of the, the determination. I mean, let's not forget, you know, he sort of lucked into that interim title fight against Tony Ferguson last year because of Habib's outside-the-cage issues, and then he barely makes weight, like death-defying makes weight, has like a visible staph infection, fought decently well against Tony, comes back here with another weight issue, takes the kick to the head, and man, he's just grinding, and this was an impressive victory when you consider everything going into this, and I know we can make that debate, like could he even make 155 anymore? Is this even his future? But every time I see him win or lose, I want to see him more. I think that with just a little more polish, this guy is a legitimate title contender. Yeah, but see the thing at 155, there are a lot of, a lot of legitimate title contenders because there's no, there really, there's really about three, what, how many belts in that weight class now? Three? I think we're down to one, but there's, you know, if, I mean, in reality, Connor's the lineal champion, if that means anything. And Tony, even though they took the belt and then gave it back and then maybe took it from him, is still sort of the next in line guy, which is like the interim belt title holder. So it's Habib. So like really, we don't know who the number one, true number one contender is. 
I, I don't know who it is. It could be Dustin. Look, if Gaethje, look, it's like the say Gaethje comes back, strings up a few wins, or say Eddie, even if Eddie Alvarez, Kevin Lee, <laughs> Gaethje, say Gaethje comes back and strings up a few wins, so they'll throw him out there. He'll be a contender again. You just never know. You never know because there's no, there's no true, there's a ranking, but there's no true system to get to his title shot. It's, it depends on how you look when you win. That's all they're going off of. Is Lee imp- impressing you though? I mean, are you are you seeing? What are you seeing that that he needs to alter outside of being able to make one fifty five? Um, I I'm, I don't know. Um, I it depends on how he deals with the pressure fighter. You know, a person that can go because when you're cutting that much weight, your, your cardio is going to suffer. Um, Dustin Poirier might be a bad matchup for him because Dustin has good cardio, can go mentally tough, but Kevin Lee's mentally tough as well, and he can go. Um, Gaethje, if he gets a few wins, he's he's tough because he can go. He don't get tired, keeps coming. Um, Idiaris keeps coming. Like all the guys we're naming keep coming. Same thing with Kevin Lee. They keep coming. It's the one, the ones that stop coming are the ones that get beat. If, if you, if UFC ultimately cashes in this idea, they're teasing the idea of opening up a 165 pound division. This, you know, this, this gray area between lightweight and welterweight. You think, you know, if they do that, they might do it just to give Conor McGregor a chance at a third belt, just to keep him happy and, and for marketable reasons. Because you know this is something that's been rumored with the upcoming UFC TV deal that whoever ends up getting the the main bulk of it, whether it's NBC, Fox, ESPN, a lot of rumors going out there that a big part of that would be opening up this division, getting Conor right away into a title fight. You think Kevin Lee could ultimately be the the biggest threat if they create this this division that isn't there? Honestly, I think the division's stupid. To be honest with you, like. If they're going to do that, they need to re- realign the divisions because you have 155, 165, then 170. Are you going to get to be 170? I think you'd have well, to put one division five pounds in the other direction, yeah. Yeah, so if they, or, or realign the divisions again. You know, realign the divisions, like, you know, make, like redo them. Or be like boxing, just add more because, you know, when, when, in the long run, when it's all said and done, MMA has become boxing now. No doubt, no doubt. No doubt about it. So let's sort of crystal ball. What does the lightweight division's biggest fights look like for the rest of this year, King Mo? Uh, look, it could, it could, it could look like anything. It could be Ally Kinto getting a rematch with Habib for all we know if people stay away or get hurt. Who do you think at this point UFC will match Habib up with this fall? The UFC was smart, which they are, which I, you know, I, I'd go out of my, I'd go to Moscow. I'd talk to whoever I got to talk to by getting a venue there. I tried to book Habib versus Connor because in my in my eyes, Connor did the the little um, bus thing for two reasons. One, he probably don't want to fight Habib, and two, it shows that hey, if you want me to fight Habib, pay me cash out money. So if the if the if the UFC knows Connor wants cash out money, then that means that hey, he's looking at the money. He's not really thinking about winning. Let's go ahead to fight in Moscow, Habib versus Connor McGregor in Moscow. Wow. So wow. Yeah, would you have security concerns there that uh, that uh, there wouldn't be a riot? Nah, because the thing is that you know, you know, like the government. You know, I'm pretty sure Moscow wouldn't mind having that big big event. And say, you know, say Connor, say, say Connor would happen to win, then Connor would have the UFC by the balls. But really, I think that he has doubts. I think that uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure he has doubts, but I think that maybe he's like, okay, Habib is tough. This, I'm in for a real fight. Do you still subscribe to the idea that the one hole in Habib's game is that you may be able to catch him when he's coming in and that Connor has the best skill set to potentially do that? Is that going to give Connor confidence to one day accept this fight? 
Well, the reason why I don't think so is because Connor's stance is too wide. He fights back. He so, fights on his back foot way too much. So I'll have BS do is shoot like a low level or mid level single leg and drive through him. Now, if Habib, like if you watch the Michael Johnson fight, and I'm, I'm, I'm leaking secrets now. Habib's issue is a guy that can have, has a little slickness. So like I'm a southpaw. I throw a hook, my right hand, right hook. I step to my right. You know what I'm saying? So, cause that, cause there's a different angle. If I throw a left, boom, step to my left. So you're, so you're stepping the same side you're throwing, cause then it throws, it throws people off. They're not used to that. Only people are used to that are guys that fight other orthodox guys. Southpaws, when they do that, like Lomachenko, when he, like, when Lomachenko steps around, it's, it's tough to beat, man. Tough to beat. Say they're rigging now. The guys are slick. Michael Johnson showed that. And then he got flat-footed and Khabib went and took him down. So you get to keep moving, not Hopping like um Edson Barbosa because Edson Barbosa is hopping in a circle, and when you hop and move that dramatic, when you stop, whatever you throw is gonna be big, spinning heel kick, big knee, big punch. So, but when you're stepping to the side and you're being slick and you're sliding and stepping around, you're there to throw punches. You're you're already loaded to throw punches. You're in position to throw, so you don't gotta load up. So the person that can do that for five rounds, or even touch Habib up, you know, here and there and touch his body. Could possibly get the get the victory versus Habib. Interesting, interesting way to look at it. So here's my other question on the matchmaking because I think you're right. Look, UFC is going to try their best to make Habib Connor capitalize on all the negative headlines from 223. If they can, it only seems right that it would be Tony if he's healthy. But outside of the, the of that trio at the top, let's say one of those two fights happen, what's the sec? What's the next best lightweight matchup you can make not involving Habib, Tony, or Connor? Is it? Ultimately, Poirier Alvarez rematch. Is it is it bringing Kevin Lee into the mix? What's the the next best fight that has to happen? Poirier Alvarez, um, Poirier Lee, Lee Alvarez. You know, win them three. Hey, that's not a bad that's not a bad reality to be in right now, no doubt. Hey, you hear these? I was going to mention Nate Diaz. We don't know what what his situation is now that Nick Diaz is cleared. You hear these? I don't know if it's true. It came from a a lower level website, but did you hear these? Uh, Nick Diaz, Michael Bisping rumors floating around. What the heck weight class would that be? Uh, well, I haven't heard that, but probably at one eighty-five, maybe or one ninety, one ninety-five at the catch weight. That'd be interesting. That'd be a sloppy sort of uh, send-off there for the count. That'd be interesting. Yeah, it'll, you know, I think that that's what they'll do because really, when it comes down to it, the belt doesn't matter. Super fights matter. You know what I'm saying? Pay-per-view buys matter. The belt, like, it's great to have, but really now it's like it's been. Unless, if you're like Demetri, Mighty, Mighty Mouse or Daniel, something like that, or, yeah, Dan, or even the five champion, uh, um, Whitaker, cause now there's, a, there's one belt that weight class. If you're a weight class with many belts, the belt means nothing. But if you're a weight class with one belt, it means a lot more. So you, you make a good point. Super fight's really what matters. Conor McGregor probably won't get, end up getting disciplined, King Mo, for his actions at 223 in Brooklyn. Because money and super fights matter right now. That's what the UFC needs more than anything. To the point that Joe Rogan, UFC commentator on his Joe Rogan Experience MMA show, was like really out in the open. Here's this quote. Connor just keeps effing up with this kind of stuff and no one's saying get rid of him. He's worth so much money. It's really fascinating. Imagine if Ray Borg and him switched sides. If Ray Borg showed up with all his boys and was screaming and yelling and threw a dolly at the window, it's a done deal forever. Think about Paul Daly. Paul Daly must be at home going, mother effer, F, F Dana White. 
Until you get to that stratosphere that Conor McGregor's at, where there's so much money to be made, that's the problem. The rules get bent. All Paul Daly did was throw a punch at Josh Kotchek after a fight. It didn't even connect. That could have been sorted out, end quote. So certainly he's not wrong. Everything he's saying is right. But this is the UFC's color commentator even coming out and saying, look, there's no rules with a guy like Connor because he draws so much money. It's almost like they're, they're like, hey, we got a moral issue here, and we're even going to tell you we do. It's it's like the, there's no hiding it. This isn't a good thing, though. Well, look at Jason High. Jason High got cut for pushing the ref after he lost when he, got, he was confused. Like, what do you stop the fight for? Got cut. Miguel Miguel Torres got cut for a tweet. Yeah, Matt Riddle got cut for 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 some marijuana. Four years just for weed. Damn, like these, you know, it's like, come on. So, but the thing is, here's what's gonna happen. <laughs> like, if things keep going the way it is, we're gonna hear it's gonna he's gonna end up like Mike Tyson, like a a tragic story. But it might be worse because Mike Tyson learned his ways and changed things like after the fact and became an actor. But I don't know if Conor will do that. You know, because Conor's so, so loved. Like the thing is, like in America, you can be a star, but if you're a foreign, if you're like a European and you're a star there, they love you. You know what I'm saying? It's different. They, we love you in America, but at the same time, like if someone else hotter comes out, we'll forget about you. But over in Europe and other countries, once you're a star, you stay a star unless you mess that up. No doubt, no doubt. I just I'm I'm blown away. Like they have UFC has not responded publicly to this Conor thing with it with a. With any kind of discipline. I don't even care if it's a fake, hey, we're going to suspend him for six months. This can't happen in the UFC. We cannot have this happening. Hey, by the way, that six month ends before MSG in November. So hopefully we get Connor back. Bo, they're not even doing that. They're not even putting out a message to anyone, Connor or anybody, that this Bro, behavior is not allowed. Think about Diaz. Remember Diaz called um, Brian Carraway a fag? On, yes. And they to find him. Like, they, they, they went out there to find him. No one was hurt. Nobody was hurt. Now you have a guy through a dolly through a window. People are hurt. People threaten. To... Could you imagine if everyone pulled out the fight? You know, that was in that in that bus. What would have happened? You're right. Then then that would have finally forced UFC's hand because you're taking money away. If you or if that dolly unfortunately had hit Rose, you know what I mean, and that fights off of it, and then you're barely able to get a Habib fight together. And you're right, the, the card's done at that point. Sorry, but there's not a pay per view anymore. You've ruined our business. Now you're in trouble. So because he didn't take money out of UFC's pocket and ultimately he has the potential to put a lot more in it. it they're just an, it's just enabling. And I and look, I'm not, you don't have to stand on the same moral high ground as me and be like Connor needs to be out of the cage for a year. But you got to give him even a fake punishment. You got to send a message that we that we didn't stage this, that we didn't plan this, that we're not Happy that this happened. Can you even send that message publicly, UFC? No one's doing that. Dana's already, it took Dana three days to change his words and say, yeah, it's not that big a deal in the end. Connor and I are cool now. We're like, what's going on here? I don't like a hypocrite, clown. I think, you know, like personally, like, I think, like, I feel bad for the people that, you know, that have been kept in the UFC for doing less. You know, um, to me, clown, you know what I'm saying? The clown, like, how can you take somebody serious that, that, isn't serious themselves. Like you can't, you can't be serious. Like you know, you you want to find Diaz for saying call somebody a fag, which shouldn't be. You want to you want to cut Jason High for pushing the referee after he got like submitted and thought that he shouldn't have been submitted. Or got rocked actually, he's rocked. You want to find um um a uh, 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 big country for pushing, kind of nudging. Good, good point. Big a uh, big country. I mean, I mean, I mean, uh, Big John with his foot after Bigfoot. Been been punished. 
And he wouldn't do it maliciously. He was doing it like, hey, come on, man. My boy, I'm friends with him. He got hurt. You want to find uh, – uh, uh, you want to cut um, Paul Daly after you threw a punch and didn't land. Like, to me, that's some clown. That's some clown I shit. Mean, so, talking about maybe that's you – Clown shit. Maybe clown. UFC is waiting for his uh, June 14th hearing, but still. I don't know. This is just bad PR. But you know what's interesting? Since that UFC sale in 2016 to WMEIMG, you know how many interviews the new owners have given? The MMA media zero. They have not said one word publicly. It's just, it's just bizarre. How you know? Well, well the thing is, they're probably embarrassed. Think about it. They've been had. Everyone knows that they've overpaid for the UFC. They've been had. Like, like everyone thought Ronda's gonna. Ronda, you have Ronda gone. Connor, really, he's a ghost. Diaz, where's he getting at? Oh, oh, we have John Jones. Yeah, maybe. You know, who do they have? What stars do they have? They're trying to build, they're trying to find, they can find, they can find the homeless man in the homeless city and they'd be like, oh man, this is the next big thing. They you can know, find has, CM Punk. Has, oh wait, they did. They did find CM Punk. Yeah, but it, 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 the thing is like, they're trying to find stars, trying to make money, trying to recoup and it's not really working like how they expected. That's why I'm thinking that they're going to give Connor a little slap on the wrist. They're going to have, book, try to do Connor versus Habib in Moscow because who knows what the government in Moscow is going to pay for the UFC event to so, be there. Th- so how about that for a great point? Because there's been boxing matches, usually involving, let's say, Alexander Povetkin, where they suddenly win these purse bids with outrageous bids. Why do you think Vladimir Klitschko's heavyweight title defense against Povetkin, you know, back in whatever it was, 2015, was in Moscow? Because they offered $27 million of a fight purse where in the States, the, the highest offer was like $3 million total. And by the way, that $3 million is to pay everybody on the card, not just to pay one person. So you feel like UFC would easily sell. So, hey, WWE just sold their soul to Saudi Arabia. They're doing a pay-per-view Friday, the greatest Royal Rumble. A couple weeks after WrestleMania, they're doing an event that's like bigger than WrestleMania that has a 50-man battle royal. This is a blatant, hey, we are selling our soul for money. You know what WWE is also doing? No women's matches on this card because that's Saudi Arabian rule. In the middle of a women's revolution, they're doing this. So these companies, they don't care. It's it's the big dollar. And that's why I'm going to be real sure. I don't watch WWE that much more. I feel like their product is uh, – I feel like the UFC is going the same way. I feel I feel like MMA is going that way. MMA needs to change. We got we got to put better cards out there. Stop oversaturating the market. Fighters try to be a better example. You know what I'm saying? If you're gonna fight, fight in the cage. You want to sell it, sell it, sell it with words. You know what I'm saying? Like do things that you know we all can make money. That's one thing I learned from Al Snow. In order to make money, you need an opponent. You need another man. Yes. Why fight the other man outside the cage? You can fight him in the cage and get paid. What do we all want? Head, yeah. yes. Al yeah. Snow, the great yeah. one. No, you make, a, you make a great point. And by the way, UFC, you're teetering right now in terms of your reputation and, and fans trusting you. I'll say this. If they go in this direction, and of course we'll all watch it, but if they go in the direction of Floyd Connor in a mixed rules bout, or even Floyd versus CM Punk in an MMA bout, that's the step, that's the, that's where they fall off the cliff. That's where you have sold your soul to a level that you can't come back from. Well, the thing is, it'd be okay, like, look, look. In Bellator, we said, hey, we're there to make fights to entertain people because Bellator understands MMA's entertainment. The UFC trying to be like, oh, we're a real sport. We're the fastest growing sport, blah, 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 blah. We're the fastest growing sport, but explain how people get title shots. Yeah. You can't. Explain why there's so many interim belts. You can't. There are a lot of things they can't do, but so the thing is that they just go out there and be like, hey, we're a sport, but at the same time, we're out to entertain. Hey, then whatever they want to do, as long as they, as long as they let it know that, let, let it be known that, hey, we're trying to entertain you, then 
then you want to put Floyd versus Connor in a mixed rules fight or modified rules fight, whatever. That's sports entertainment, basically. Yeah, sports. Yeah, sports. Because the thing is, like, that's not that's the entertainment side of the card. It's like Japan. Japan will have good fights and they'll have some. Freak well, show Jose Canseco with a baseball bat against Hongman exactly. Choi. Hongman Choi, but but the thing is, people tuned in because they're like, okay, well, hey. We saw some serious fights. We saw some great technique. Well, let's see sloppy fights now. Let's see something that we're not used to seeing. Let's laugh. Let's 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 clap. Let's cheer because it's something different. Cool. It's like, but hey, the, UFC, you're gonna be shameless. Just tell us. I guess I guess yeah, that's it, what it comes it, down to. Just stop. Exactly. Like that's why. The, that's why. That's one thing. Like, the UFC, like people were bashing Bellator. Like, oh, Bellator is clown. But at the same time, UFC's in the same thing. James Tony versus Randy Couture should never even happen. Never. How did it get sanctioned? But it happened, and people tuned in and watch it. Hey, James Tony so, shouldn't even been sanctioned to fight, let alone fight exactly, and have a bet at that point. I mean, come on. Exactly, exactly. But you know what? Like, people just – people, in a sense, they're slaves to a brand sometimes. Actually, yeah. a lot of times, especially in America. Actually, worldwide, people are slaves to a brand. But, you know, when you have a strong brand like that, you can do whatever you want. But eventually, people get smart and catch on and quit watching. All right, final note from this UFC Fight Night Atlantic City card. We saw Frankie Edgar bounce back, get a three-round decision over Cub Swanson. He had submitted Swanson in 2014. I thought this was also the potential for a trap. In fact, I picked against Frankie Edgar because you talked about, you know, Barboza coming back from a brutal knockout. Heck, Frankie Edgar got knocked out by Ortega March 3rd, right? Like a month and a half ago. This I felt like this was going to be Michael Bisping against Kelvin Gastelum all over again. Hey, give Frankie credit. He grind, you know, he grinded out a decision. Do you still feel like we can't count this guy out? You still feel like at 36, Frankie's got one more run in him. Frankie has runs as long as he fights smart. Now, one thing I didn't like is when he, so he got hit by Cub Swanson a few times, and I could see those shots that he normally walked through, kind of like shook him up. And he was like, "Okay, let me move." You know, um, uh, Frankie's now Frankie's so technical. You know, um, I think that he can still he can still do something. It's just that versus who and uh, when. Because the longer he waits, you know, it could hurt him. But the, the longer he waits, it could help him because it can give him time to rest and relax and heal up. Because I'm pretty sure all those fights Frankie had, he probably had some nagging injuries, you know, and uh, he might need some time just to heal. I felt like if he was, if he had lost this, we'd be saying, it's it, Frankie. You know, he had a good run. So this was an important win to sort of end that conversation completely. Yeah, maybe the thing is, hey, we lost this. Okay, I would have said, keep on fighting. You know what I'm saying? Because things, a lot of times, man, people lose. They they figure things out. They come back. You know, uh, look at um. Like, let me see. Let me think. Randy Couture. How many times Randy Couture bounced back after, after a loss? Great point. He, he came back better and better. So he always he reinvented, reinvented himself. himself. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, interesting. Yeah. All right, Kingbo. Uh, big fight news recently in terms of fights getting signed was UFC 226 is turning into that card. The, the big one of the year for UFC, the must tune in one. I didn't, I didn't think this was going to become that. Certainly it's got a strong main event. Stephen Miocic, Daniel Cormier for the heavyweight championship, champion versus champion there. But this is filling out pretty impressively when you're considering now we're going to have Max Holloway, Brian Ortega for the featherweight title in the co-main event. Francis Ngannou, Derek Lewis on that card, heavyweight fight. I'm getting pretty fired up. Do you share my enthusiasm? I think it's good, but they should save that fight for like another card for itself. You know, man, like, you know, because the things that why, the things that every time the, the UFC tries to stack cards, but every time they've done that, like, the cards, the next few cards afterwards have been kind of, you know, surprisingly good or surprisingly bad. They should say that, because the thing is that you have two title fights. Bam. Two good, like, you know, four good fighters, two title, two title fights, great. And Ganu versus, versus, they could have done something like, hey, um, 
know what we're going to do? We're going to have a banger fest. And, <laughs> and, and, and no, think about it. In, in September, had like Nganu versus, uh, um, versus what's it called? Nganu versus Lewis. Had Stevens versus Gaethje. Oh, wait, 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 what kind of Stevens at? 145? 155? 145. Oh, well, they, well, they had, they had Stevens versus somebody they could bang. Had Gaethje versus another banger. You know, they could put people on the car. They just, Sluggers, like Slugfest. They could have done something like that. I love hearing King Mo say Banger Fest. We, we, we gotta bang them a little bit. I mean, we're not banging them. I mean, it, it's a Banger Fest. It's bang, bang, <laughs> bang, bang, bang. Try and stop it. Bang, bang. Here I come. Bang. You wanna throw sometime? Bang. Yeah, 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 Jim Lampley. We I do, we do. That. Lampley versus, that was, that was, that was Pacquiao versus, um, Claudie. Claudie, yes, from, from the, uh, from Cowboy Stadium there. Yeah. One of the weirdest calls from Jim Lampley of all time. Uh, yeah, I, I don't disagree. There's going to be, you're going to see some banging on this 226 card when Yancey Medeiros and Mike Perry square off a welterweight. So look, things I like to see, things I'm interested in. Cause the thing about this, you can have, you can think about Perry, Medeiros, Nganu, Lewis. You can have like, you could put like just nothing but bangers on the card. From top to bottom. Hey, they got like, Paulo Costa, Paulo Costa versus Uriah Hall. There's going to be some bagging going on. Yeah, there think, too. think about that. Like that. From, but I'm talking about top to bottom bangers. Like think about that. Like a slug, like slugfest. Top to because a car like that will be the best car because people won't want to see like grappling too much. They want to see banging. Yeah, damn and right think, they do. And the thing is, like you know, now now that you know people want to be entertained more than they want people want to be entertained more than anything. The belts matter, but people want to be entertained more. Hey, uh, did UFC luck out that Max Holloway was not allowed to fight Habib? So now they can make this Ortega fight? Like, in hindsight, it's probably a, a good way that they, that, they, that it all played out. Yeah, I think it was stupid to actually have a, actually consider them having, consider him having, you know, to consider him to fight Habib. Like, that was you desperation know? out of the UFC right yeah. there. Desperation never really, in the long run, desperation can hurt you. So I, I I'm, you know, for Max Holloway, I think that this fight would be good because he, say he beats Ortega, then he could be like, you know what? I'm done with this weight class. I'm going to go up and I'll, I'll, I'll go, Connor, what's up? We can meet at 155 or 170, yes. whatever. Or Diaz, where you at? You know, Habib, where you at? I'm, I'm here at 155. I'm done with 145. Where's the freshman at? Gaethje, let's, let's go. You know, he could, he could do that. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm with that. I'm liking that all together. All right, this Saturday, King Mo, we have a very interesting card coming up. They are calling it Bellator 198 from the Allstate Arena in Rosemont, Illinois, outside of Chicago. Of course, you can watch that live on the Paramount Network, and it's a first-round matchup in the Bellator Grand Prix Heavyweight Tournament. We've already seen Matt Mitrione advance. We've already seen Chael Sonnen advance. Now, we have arguably the sexiest matchup just in terms of name power alone when Fedor Emelianenko the great Russian, they have the, arguably the greatest heavyweight in history, arguably the greatest fighter in history at 41 years old against Frank Mir, former two-time UFC champion. He's 38, but he's coming back from a two-year break, or is it, is it even almost three years? We last saw him in March 2016 from a two-year break due to, uh, you know, PED violations, ultimately. King Mo, I'm not going to lie, this appeals to the fight fan in me, the nostalgia fan in me, the hashtag old guy fight fan in me more than maybe any other in this tournament. I have no idea how it's going to end, but probably going to end early, right? Yeah, I think so. Um, if it goes to the ground, Mir. If it's a knockout, fade, maybe. I don't know because Mir can punch too when he needs to. Um, 
And Fedor can submit people when he needs to. I know it. It's a toss-up. Mir has a size. Fedor has a speed and the power advantage, in my opinion. Um, I don't know what's going to happen, man. Who knows? I think, if, you know, I've been trying to watch that Bellator sort of countdown preview series they have, those little, you know, eight-minute videos that they've been pumping out that are good stuff. And they're showing the guys on their media tours as they prepare. I feel like Frank is is in better shape, certainly, than when this fight was announced and he came out at that Bellator card. If he really gets in great shape and takes this seriously, like, you know, outside of the great King Mo, this guy is is a favorite here because of the size, the submission ability. He can throw hands when he really needs to. We've seen him back against the wall against Noguera and come out with big wins, you know, those type of fights. But are we going to get that, Frank Mir? Or are we going to get the guy who's going to show you two years of cage rust and age are not going to be going in his right direction? He's the ultimate wild card here. I mean, certainly Fedor's a wild card, right? I mean, he's a, so he's at the tail end of his career, but, but still has pop. But man, I think Frank Mir's got a chance to tell the rest of the tournament that I'm back and I'm for real. I don't know if I have the confidence he could be that guy anymore, though. There's a lot going against him. Yeah. Um, two year layoff, the shape he was in before the camp started, the ring rust. All, you know, um, Fedor, like, he came up a loss. There's a lot, there's a lot of, um, questions to be, you know, to be, answered guess what to find out when they fight i i don't I, i'm personally i go back and forth i don't know who's gonna win this but the thing is if it goes if it goes past three rounds if it goes past two rounds i definitely think it's a fedor's favor who's Especially got the if wrestling not, if advantage if it's not standing we know mir's got the submission advantage but i mean would fedor want to wrestle at all here or is he is he only you only want to see him with throwing hands on his feet fedor does he really wrestle much <laughs> no He's not really known for Fedor. Like, he'll swing until until you get into a clinch. Like with Fedor, if you want to cut with Fedor, just move forward and punch with him. He's not Fedor. I've really I've never seen him shoot. Like I've seen him get hurt and grab because people because he holds his ground and comes forward. But you know, um, well, he's got really, the legendary I, ground and pound. But you're saying to get it to the ground, it's not his greatest forte. Well, he can get to the ground because he has those throws. But the thing is, that, like, really, he gets to the ground when he hits you. A lot of people crumble. You know what I'm saying? And they go down, but or. He'll hit you, you'll be, you'll be dazed, he'll try to grab him, he'll throw you, and then he'll proceed to pummel you. This version of All or Nothing Fedor, though, is, is really compelling. Like, it's really entertaining TV because, like you said, still got enough speed and power where you can't just look at him as a washed afterthought. I mean, he's still really dangerous, but man, he's at the point where this fight goes more than three, four minutes. Like, we're gonna have a Fabio Maldonado situation again where, where Fedor's gonna be lucky if somebody gives him a, an out with a, with a decision. Yeah, maybe. Well, I don't know. Maybe we'll see, let's see what Frank Mir has to offer. You know, I've seen them hitting mid, so it's a little quicker. Um, but I don't know. I don't know if that's gonna help him with Fedor because Fedor's so explosive. And Fedor, like, if you're gonna punch, if, if Fedor throws punches, your best bet is to make a miss or punch with him and hope you land. Because Fedor throws heat. I'm talking about 400 degrees. Heat. <laughs> like he comes to the heat, and the thing is, if he lands. It's night, night, straight up. You know, um, Nap I was there time. when Fedor knocked out Arlovski. I was there when I was—I'll never forget—I was there, sit with Mayhem Miller in the stands at Affliction, and I saw Arlovski was touching him up, touching him up. They went for that flying knee, and I heard a, and I was like, oh my! And I saw Arlovski fall midair, face first to the ground, and I'm like, wow! I was like, maybe that's a fluke. That was a Donald Trump promoted card, by the way. Remember those yeah. days? Yeah, I was, I was, and then I remember when he knocked out, um. We knocked at Tim Sylvia. I mean, left, right, left, left hand, straight, right, left hook, straight, right. He was throwing that and everything he landed, you could hear from in the stands, like, 
It was like a big pop, like fireworks, pop, 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 pop. And then you saw Tim Sylvia fall down. And, I, and just Fedor, I was there when Fedor knocked out um um uh, Brian Rogers and uh, and, uh Brett Rogers. Brett Rogers, and, uh, yes, that was a good fight because Brett had yeah. Fedor. That was the first time we were like, man, Fedor's getting hit a lot here when he shouldn't be. And then second round, he threw that lead right, pop, and I saw Brett fall, and I'm like, okay. Meshes itself. Do not get hit by Fedor with that right hand because Fedor comes with – oh, man, he hits hard. That was the he hits first so hard, he breaks that... his hands usually. He breaks his hands. By the way, that fight was 2009. That was the first round, I believe, of that tournament, right? Or No, no, that wasn't. Sorry, the first round of the tournament was when Fedor lost to Bigfoot Silva two fights later, two years later. But, yeah, that was during the uh, strike force, hey, let's let's put our fights on CBS days. Those are some fun days. I, I remember that for sure. Hey, you got any Donald Trump stories from hanging out at Affliction with the, with the, with the president of the United States? I don't think uh, – well, if we had stories, probably we'd be getting arrested because I don't like them. <laughs> <laughs> We will not be hearing any King Mo hanging out, sharing a couple cold ones with, uh, with, with the president. Uh, to close here, if you're Chael Sonnen and you are watching this matchup, knowing you will fight the winner, who do you want to win if you're Chael Sonnen? Some Chael want Fred Muir to win. How come? Use the speed, stay on the outside. Fred Muir's a, a fellow Sao Paul. Maybe you could pick up some, like, pick up some stuff by watching, uh, Dos Anjos. Cause we usually with Sao Paul's fight Sao Paul's. They have problems because they're not used to seeing each other. Fight, they're not used to fighting the Southpaws. Um, Fedor, you know, he could want Fedor because Fedor beat Matt Lillian years ago, but at the same time, I think Fedor's all wrong for him. Too aggressive, will go for broke. Um, Chael can't, Chael can't hurt him. He can't try to, but with standing, he ain't gonna be able to hurt him. On the ground, Fedor has a good arm bar, Fedor get back to his feet and keep on throwing, so. You know, really, he could fight. He could fight Frank Mir at a slower pace and just and just and outpoint him. Yeah, I don't think Chael wants either of these guys. To be really honest with you, Chael will fight the winner of this one. Of course, Matt Mitrione will fight the winner of King Mo against Orion Bader, which of course is coming up on May twelfth, Bellator one ninety nine. So prediction time for this Saturday, King Mo. I think it's going to be Frank Mir. I think it's going to be a knockout late first round. Where are you at? I don't know, man. I'm still thinking because I, I just I haven't seen Frank Mir's hands really be that impressive except when he fought Chet Congo. True, true. A lot, of, a lot of unknowns. It's what makes this a fun fight. A lot of unknowns. We may see a favorite come out of this fight. We may see two wash legends come out of this fight. You know, it's, it's, you don't really know. I, where we're I at. think we'll see a favorite. I think we'll see a favorite. Um, I just you know I, I know that Frank Mir's been working with uh, Coach Reyes, which is which is a good look. He is he's a good coach. And maybe that might be the difference. Because Angelo Reyes out of Las Vegas, you talking about? Uh, he's a, he's a, goes between um the Bay and um L A. He worked with Alan Hulaton, and he's big in the amateur scene. People know him, like you know, I see him the mayor of the gym all the time. I talk to him, big boxing guy. So uh, if he can, if he has Frank Mir clean with his hands, then Frank Mir's gonna give Fedor problems because in order to beat Fedor, you have to have clean hands. You can't throw wild. You have to th- be controlled and throw and throw short and throw snappy. You know, you just can't go wild. With Fedor, or you get knocked out. Yeah, yeah, no doubt about that. King Mo, to close, I wanted to talk just a real quick boxing with you. I was ringside Saturday night at Barclays Center. Showtime had a very entertaining triple header. I don't know if you caught that, but I want to say first, we talked about the Connor situation from Barclays. I have never seen security like I saw Saturday night at the Barclays to the point they did not have a post-fight press conference so they can avoid any backstage skirmishes. I don't know if you were following the headlines, but Adrian Broner was feuding with Takashi 6 9 the rapper. Uh, that was fake. 
that really? turned out to be fake, but we didn't know coming in. And then the Charlo, yeah, Jamal Charlo yeah. saying, I'm going to knock yeah. out AAB or Javante Davis if I, I mean, see yeah, him. That, that, was, that was the main thing, people, because come to find out, like, they, they mentioned that on the telecast that the, the beef was fake, but you didn't see it because you were there at the car. But the Jamal Charlo, Jamal and Jamel, those guys don't play around. Hashtag Lions only, Kingbo. They are my favorite yeah. boxers right now. I'm not pulling punches. They are the realest of reals, and I love it. I mean, you saw Jamal have that near brawl with Danny Jacobs last month. Now you're seeing Jamal and Jamal post in social media videos where they're calling everybody out, and they're like, we're different dudes. We're about this life. And I was getting a little nervous that, like, we were going to have a problem Saturday, that, like, you know, the kind of problems that go beyond fights inside of a ring or a cage, the kind of problems that end careers and lives, those kind of problems. Luckily, we didn't. Security was tight. But you know what we did have? Jamal Charlo telling the middleweight division, you don't want anything to do with me. I am a believer. I don't think Canelo, Triple G, or even Danny Jacobs are going to go out of their way to fight this guy. Are you seeing enough that this guy's a destroyer, that he's for real? Jacobs will fight him. Because if you if you watch him, Jacobs will confront him. Because Charles was talking that mess. Jacobs like, oh, watching. And Charles changed. His demeanor changed. Jacobs lying as well. You know what I'm saying? So I think they have mutual, mutual respect. But there's one guy people are forgetting about. Demetrius Boo Boo Andre. Yes. Oh, yeah. I you're right. Promise you. He's the Swiss Army knife. That's gonna. That's gonna. He beat, he beat Jacobs and amateurs. He'll be. He beat all those guys and amateurs. Remember, you know, he told he told uh, my boy the reason why they called Keith Thurman one time because he only beat Demetrius one time in amateurs. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? <laughs> that's it. Like Boo Boo is for real. I remember seeing him in the, in the training center. He's surreal. He's here in Florida right now. I'm about, to, I'm about to watch him spar today after I spar. So. Oh, I like that guy. I like that guy for sure. The problem is he doesn't have the marketable side to get himself into these fights. He doesn't have a big-time promoter. He's got a couple things going against him, yeah. whereas at least Charlo is yeah. – Charlo's so marketable, and his brother, Jermel, the, the junior yeah. uh, well, the junior middleweight title holder, that it's going to be hard to avoid these guys because Showtime's giving them big platforms. They're becoming stars. And, and the thing is, one thing, one thing from hearing with Boo Boo is he's gonna be on his contract. I think with main events, I think that's who he's with. I'm, no, I he's with, uh, I think he's with Jimmy Birchfield out of Rhode Island. He's with the, or, yeah, no, or, yeah, yeah, yeah. or is he with Banner Promotions? Maybe there's like a, a co-promoting. Yeah, Banner. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's, but the thing is, I heard he's gonna be on his contract soon. He's trying to get with Al Heyman. If he can get with Al Heyman, yes. dude. If he can get, if he can get with Al, then. We're going to see some fights at 160. Like, you can't believe Because he's a southpaw. He's long. He's very slick. Yeah. This, and when he, when he has put his hands together, he, he can hurt guys too. Look, so him and Billy Joe Saunders are going to be the dark horses at 160. Mark my words. Yeah. Billy Joe Saunders is a problem. Uh, no, I'm with you on that. If, if what he did against David Lemieux is real and he can do, and he can repeat that now, that, that's interesting. But uh, look, watch out, man. Cause Jamal Charlo was like, Triple G, I'm your mandatory now. Like, you know, you well, didn't see Triple G going out of his way when he was looking for last minute opponents yeah. to dial up the Charlos, you know? Yeah, wait, 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 160. Put like this. Think about this, man. Usually at this time, we'll be talking about welterweights. We ain't talking about welterweights no more. We're talking about 54, 60, heavyweight, 130, 135. We're talking about every weight class. Welterweight's still there, but now everything's even. All the weight classes are even with stars. That's yeah. one thing MMA needs again. We need to get that back. But boxing has that right now. Like you say, boxing is MMA right now. MMA is boxing. You're right. I, yep. uh, to close, Javante Tank Davis, that junior lightweight, nice knockout against Quasar there. I know Floyd will keep saying this guy's the next big star in the sport. Like that's a bold statement, but are you a believer in this guy, Tank Davis? Uh, I think he's I think he's talented, but I, I would like to see him fight Tevin Farmer first, then Lomachenko, because Tevin Farmer is very slick, and he's a guy that got it out the mud. He was nobody. He had a bum trainer. 
had no amateur experience, started winning, getting getting more confident. Now he's on streak, and he's very slick. He's a new age Pernell Whitaker with wow. power. Wow, wow, wow. All right. And, uh, hey, this guy, A.B., Adrian Broner, is a problem in his own life to himself, but it's a pretty entertaining brawl with Jesse Vargas. Like, that was a damn good fight. I did not have a problem with the scoring and the <laughs> as a draw again. And you know what, A.B., he still fills arenas, still gets you to watch, and when he fights like that, it's like, keep keep it going, dude. Especially at ninth round. I thought he was going to stop Jesse Vargas in the ninth round when he's walking down, just tattooing him. I mean, Bro- Broner, I always say, you know, like the thing that's going to prevent him from being just falling apart and being a joke in boxing is he's so tough. He's got a really good chin. And he's so tough. It wasn't his chin that was impressive. It was the body attack that he fought off. Jesse Vargas had the body yeah. snatcher, Mike McCallum, yes. as his new trainer. Yes. And Jesse Vargas was landing bombs down low. And I'm like, Broner's going to fade. Broner's going to fade. Never faded, and in fact, he was the guy coming on late. Hey, credit, credit, credit where credit's due. And I know Amir Khan's calling him out now. Amir Khan, Adrian Broner would be a sloppy good fight. I'd be all and, over that. And look, look how we, look how excited we are. Because remember, for a while, Amir Khan just dangerous Phil O'Greco in 32 seconds. Yeah, that was like, nothing. Look, man, right now, pro wrestling is one up one, boxing's up one, MMA's down two. We got, we got MMA. We got to pick our game up. You're Stephen. damn right. You're damn right. All right, Kingbo, keep picking your game up in the gym. Ryan Bader, you know, look, you got you got you got someone coming who's ready ready to take your soul. You know, May twelfth, San Jose. We'll see what happens. Enjoy the Bellator fights this weekend, Kingbo. Any message to your fans? Anything before we get out of here? Man, we out. <laughs>